Welcome everyone to the Just Shiatsu Podcast. My name is Justin Zielinski, and as always, I am your host, and I am a practicing Shiatsu therapist. So today I want to go over the first chapter in the Neijing Basic Questions. And the, the book is written in a, a formulaic way where the emperor is always asking a question to Chibo, which is this heavenly persona of, of medicine, I suppose would be a way to think about it. And they're always having a dialogue. And what I love about this way of teaching or expressing the things is it tends to be a little more poetic and a little more conversational, a little less, you know, scientifically defined, which leaves a lot of opening for interpretation. And I think that's important because I think more often than not, many things can be seen from different perspectives and all of them can hold a bit of the truth. If not, all of them can hold all of the truth. You know, it just depends on how you look at it, really. So the first thing I want to talk about before we really get into like dissecting these chapters or ideas in the Neijing is my own thought process. I tend to read through things and then just develop a feeling around them and lose a lot of the details. In some ways, this is a blessing, you know, for this touch therapy where I'm concentrating on an actual feeling being generated or perceived. It comes in very handy, but for explaining it to the public or even to like another practitioner, sometimes it can get a little tricky for me because I uh, lose the the words or the details for how that really goes. The good thing is I am reviewing these chapters right before I talk about them. So the information is clear in my head and we'll be able to talk about them in a way that is definable and not just how I feel about everything. The second thing to think about whenever you're going over um, foreign texts and especially, you know, oriental texts where they're using the the kanji and the, the I forget what they're called in Chinese, but when they're using the the imagery or the picture as a form of language as opposed to how we write with letters, theirs are all pictograms of things they want to have meaning inside the the word they use there. And the other thing with translations is there's always someone who says that another person's translation is bad. And there's always someone who says their translation is good. So know that <laughs> you're always going to run into translation problems from someone's perspective, no matter which translation you read. And since they're dealing with, you know, these idea of picture words and we are turning them into you know, English words that have a little more defining characteristic to them, that there's never going to be a one-to-one translation. Or often when we use a one-word translation for a one character, it uh, loses a lot of meaning because sometimes those characters may need a paragraph to truly uh, give a contextual feel to what they're, they're meaning. But I do believe that if you read the whole text, even if the translation is somewhat off here and there, that there'll be a truth hidden in there through all the text. So it's much like I view taking the, you know, uh, in the medicine I practice, you know, I view the whole body as the person and it's the whole body that, that is telling me what's wrong. I can't just listen to your little toe and understand everything about you. So we have to take the whole text into the picture or the whole body. And I believe 
you know, that's my perspective on when I'm looking at these texts, even though I may be getting an off translation in a sentence here or there. Um, the whole meaning is still carried out throughout. And if I can gradually grab contextual meanings here and there, they should all match up. And if they do, then I know I've uh, come across something that has a deep meaning in, the, in, in our world, in our life. And the other thing I like to think about is that this is an art form because it is so poetic. And art forms can usually be infinitely refined. Like there's not like a defined once you reach this spot, it can never go anywhere else. So this is the foundational writings of the medicine. And there's definitely room for perspective and growth and, you know, new discoveries that have happened over the years or can still happen as we move forward. And another, this is probably more criticism on my part. It was a criticism when we're dissecting any text. When somebody pulls like a specific sentence out or a piece of a sentence out to to give their meaning of of its value i think a lot of times this is skewed it needs to be taken in as a whole um especially in the the neijing there's lots of chapters that are dedicated to certain concepts and when we pull like from this chapter that has trying to express a different concept than this other chapter that is expressing another concept it can be very confusing and almost like distort the real meaning of what's being said I like to think of it as uh, the example of the blind man and the elephant where, you know, you have like four blind men around, right? You, one of them's touching the leg of the elephant and thinks that's the whole elephant. The other's touching the trunk and thinks that's the whole elephant. The other maybe is touching the belly and thinks that's the whole elephant. Each one of these perspectives are going to be totally different than the other, but it's actually the mixture of all of them that is the elephant. And I believe the texts are written in that way. The chapters are assembled as like little pictures here and there but you need all of them together to make sense of the medicine so with that being said what i'm really doing is i'm i'm thinking on everything that's said in this in this book here and i'm trying to distinguish an underlying principle and i can give a brief example just in this this first chapter there's a a part in this chapter where where the emperor asks you know why is it that people can't have children in their old age? And Chibo then goes on to explain like the life cycles and how you know it looks like someone grows from birth to maturity and then from maturity to death. But this is a description of an unhealthy life cycle that he's describing. And I don't think the childbearing part is super important in the, this chapter. But I think it's defining a principle, right? It's saying if you can't create life, your life probably isn't at its fullest and healthiest extent. And then he goes on to explain through the examples he gives that, you know, it's the kidney chi, you know, the um, the aliveness of the kidney's essence that, that determines how healthy and how f well-functioning the body is. And if you just were to take this for face value, you might just think this is a description of just childbearing. So this is what I mean by like the hidden gems or the hidden potential in a lot of these questions and answers that aren't so visible on the exact surface. But when looked at a little deeper, there's definitely some very deep universal, you know, principle lying underneath of it that 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 explains life. So 
this is the first chapter of the Neijing, and this is where it starts to break things down. So the assumption is that we're one whole thing, but to understand the whole thing, we need to break down and into pieces or opposites is usually how they use it in the Neijing. So it's this idea of yin and yang and how they complement each other. You can't understand one without the other. Um, so whenever they're giving examples of two things, usually the examples are the opposites of each other. So light and dark, right? The idea with yin and yang is if I know light, which in this case would be a more yang state, then dark would be a more yin state. And it doesn't mean they're opposites of each other, but it means that I can't know what light is if I don't know what dark is. They complement each other. They are almost the same thing, right? I mean, the difference between light and dark and defining like when do we call it light and when do we call it dark gets to be a very questionable line in the center, right? Like where is it no longer light and it's considered dark or is it no longer dark and the light starts to shine more? This is how I view yin and yang. It's more of a a complement or a, a shift in perspective of the thing you're looking at so you can understand both sides of the perspective. Hopefully that's not too confusing, but yin and yang tends to get a little confusing when broken down and uh, like trying to define it in real concrete terms so there's a few concepts that i think we should just talk about before we even go into you know what's discussed in the chapter so first off there's the chi and body which would be a yin and yang or a yang and yin matchup chi would be yang the body would be yin it's important to know that usually yang is always referring to something that has more motion to it is less concrete um, sometimes it'll say heavenly which means it's invisible, you know, things from heaven we can't see, we don't know. Um, so it's a more mysterious, invisible movement is more the yang aspects of stuff. And yin is usually the more concrete aspects. It's often compared to earth. And earth is very solid and we can walk on it and we can experience it and we can, you know, feel it. So the things that we tend to feel less tend to be more yang and the things that we tend to feel more tend to be more yin. And then we've also got this idea of spirit and essence. And these are very complex terms that are going to be, you know, sprinkled throughout the Neijing. So I think it's important we understand them. So spirit or Shen, as they call it, is this idea of like a heavenly movement inside the body. And Qi is also a heavenly movement inside the body. So how do we distinguish between the two? Well, the Shen or the spirit or spirits, as we'll learn, is more the invisible organization of the body. So the spirit is more the organizing factor of the chi, and the chi is more the movement. Hopefully that makes sense, and hopefully you know, you'll know you come to understand this deeper as, as we continue. So then there's this other aspect of essence. And then essence, again, will get sometimes paired with spirit, you know, um, essence will be more yin and the spirit will be more yang. So sometimes they're used as comparisons to each other to help understand them. But also you'll see chi and essence combined together. And that one is a lot harder because they're very similar to each other. The difference between chi and essence is chi is 
usually when they're using these two comparisons, chi is being described as an external movement on the body. And the essence is the more the internal collecting of the chi. The essence is the potential that, that the organs collect inside themselves to provide an organized health. And each one of these organs also has a spirit. This is why I'm talking about the spirits that helps designate the organization of how this stored potential is going to be used. Hopefully I haven't lost you, but this is a very complicated subject. The other thing I always like to think about too, before we really start looking at the human body, is they consider the human body to be a mixture of heaven and earth, right? We're form and we're also an invisible movement. And the way I have always liked to think about trying to make sense of this in my mind is I like to picture two bodies on the ground next to each other. And one body, well, I'll say both bodies are exactly the same in structure. They both have blood. They both have nerves. They both have their organs. There's nothing different between the two bodies except one has movement inside of it and the other doesn't. And this is how we define life, right? The one that has no movement in it is dead. The heart doesn't beat. The lungs don't move. But there's no difference between the one that's not moving. So it's just interesting to bring this comparison into perspective because this is chi, right? This is this idea of chi or we could even go into deeper analysis and call it essence, but I don't want to get too confusing right off the bat. So this chi, this movement inside, or these spirits that, that govern the movement inside our bodies, this is how we distinguish life. And this is why when they're talking about man in Chinese medicine, they're referring to heaven and earth, and that mixture is, is the chi moving, right? It's mixing those two together. And this this also might introduce some other concepts that, that we'll talk about, but just know that numbers also in Chinese medicine sometimes have some great significance to their meaning more than they do to the qualitative thing they're saying. So like the number two in Chinese usually means the separation of the one. So we're bringing it into yin and yang. So if you see the number two, usually we're talking about these concepts of yin and yang. You know, to know the one, you have to have two distinguishing factors to understand the differences. And then that brings us to the next number, which is three. Three is yin and yang mixed together. So the th number three is the mixing agent. And this in Chinese medicine will hold true most of the time when analyzing the text. If you have an even number, you're talking about the descriptive qualities of that object or those things they're talking about. And an odd number usually means there's a mixing agent between the previous level. So like two is yin and yang. So three means the mixing of yin and yang. Four is the four seasons. Five means the mixing of the four seasons. And it continues on like that. There's some exceptions, but we'll talk about those as we go along and as I understand them. Well, the first chapter of the Neijing starts out with the question, why are the people of old living to such a longer lifespan than those of today, right? And Chibo, or the, the heavenly doctor, tends to go on and explain, like, well, if you want to live to be old like that, 
you need to follow the same ways they lived. And he goes on to explain those ways. So the main concepts to take away from his explanation of how to live to an old age is you need to have an unimpeded flow in your body. So there's this cheese naturally flowing and it needs to move through without any blocks, right? The blocks are what caused the problems. When the flow can't move the proper way, it backs up. It's just like um, if you went outside and found a small stream and you started to block it up, right? It's going to stop flowing behind those rocks and build up behind. And that's the same thing that happens in the body. But for the body to be healthy, it needs to flow constantly. Those backups would be like spots of pain or disease or in front of the rock where there's not any water flowing anymore. There's a weakness there or something may be able to enter and and cause more damage where if it was flowing through constantly, there wouldn't be that opportunity for something to get in there. So how do we go about to create this unimpeded flow in ourselves? Well, it starts with the heart. And in Chinese medicine, when we're talking about the heart, we're usually talking about the heart-mind. They're usually considered one and the same. Um, And he says, the heart needs to be peaceful and calm. So we're always trying to cultivate a calm and peaceful quality to ourselves. And this ultimately, if you can hold on to that for your whole life, you would never have any blockages because it's those moments that, that you get caught up and you freeze and you stop like that same thing happens in the body and these flows that are, are providing life to us. The other thing he says is to be grateful for everything you have. You know, don't chase after status to impress others. Like live for yourself and don't sacrifice who you are for someone else. He says, these fortify the heart and spirit. And this is important to understand that the spirit resides in the heart. So the, the very essence of who we are before the body takes form, this, this spirit sense, is stored in the heart. And when they're talking about heart in this chapter specifically, it's more than just the organ. We're talking about the whole sense of self, the sense of you, the sense of you from heaven, right? The sense, I think all cultures have somewhat of a concept of a soul or a spirit inside themselves. And that's what this concept of heart is speaking to. It's, it's the heaven in us. And he goes on to say that if we, if we can clearly keep this, this type of gratitude and peaceful and calm, like we'll get a better understanding of our purpose here. And, you know, fulfilling that purpose will also, you know, lead to a healthier outcome in life. And then he goes on to describe more specific circumstances that might be causing issues in someone's life as well. So, you know, not eating or drinking proper, properly, where like, you know, don't overeat at your meals, don't stuff yourself, don't drink too much alcohol. You know, we need moderation. You know, moderation is the key to health here. Also, we need the correct amount of sleep because sleep is when we recharge our bodies. If we never get sleep, you will literally die. It's when the body moves inside itself and kind of recharges. You know, this is where the essence is going to get built up the most and the strongest. He also expressed, don't give too much 
energy to mindless things. You know, and I think by this he's saying not to chase after things that you think will bring you happiness, but ultimately in the end, no, they won't. Like that Corvette you really want. When you get it, yeah, it'll feel good, but it's definitely not the key to happiness in life. And I think the idea is don't chase after too many of these things that we put too much value on without realizing that happiness is from within and it's not from without. So don't be chasing external circumstances to bring happiness to yourself. And lastly is to pay attention to the physical aspects of yourself as well. So we need to definitely be moving our bodies in healthy ways, you know, exercising, making sure you're moving your joints in the full range of motion. Yeah, we just want to make sure that our bodies aren't storing too much energy and we're using all this energy because the stored energy will become blockages in our body if not used properly. And, you know, we'll get unhealthy so next he goes on to describe what is unhealthy well it's basically the opposite of everything he just said but he specifically talks about like these ideas of obsession lust desires right these things cause a fixation in our in our movements you know in our thought patterns for sure like i want that you can't stop thinking about it right that's like stop movement that's fixated on one thing well that the body and mind are not separate. So when you stop and fixate on something mentally, this is causing a stop of flow in the body as well. So it's important to understand with just that concept that our internal thoughts and feelings disrupt our flow. And I believe these disrupt our flow, at least in modern times, more than anything else. Um, we do usually live pretty healthy lives with our environment. And um, it's more these internal feelings that we have towards things that, you know, we've learned over time or have been passed down to us from from learned experiences that are really the cause for disease in most people nowadays. But he goes on to say, you know, also don't drink too much. Don't have too much mindless sex. And make sure you get enough sleep. If you're not getting enough sleep, you're going to be sick. So this is basically the whole gist of the chapter right it's all very simple concepts but like the simplicity implies a complexity like sometimes the simplest things are the most complex easily said hard to bring into your life it takes a lot of self-cultivation and self i don't know if discipline's the right word but that's what comes to mind so what's the big takeaway from this chapter so it's important to understand the two concepts of the heart and the kidney, right? We talked in the beginning of the kidney being our healthiness of body and the heart being our healthiness of heavenly chi, right? So again, we go back to heaven and earth mixing together to be man. So in the very vaguest concept, the, the, the very vague concept of heart and kidney is like heaven and earth, right? The kidney is the part of the body that stores the essence and the essence is what manifests our form, our body. So in this chapter, when we're talking of heart and kidney, we're off, we're talking about heaven and earth, right? It's important not to pull some of these concepts into the five element theory, because to me in this chapter, the heart and kidney that's talked about here is not the same concept of heart and kidney that's in the five elements, which you don't know anything about, but we'll get to. So 
And the other thing to think about is what he's talking about when he describes all these things that we can do to, to create health in our bodies that they, they call the way. And he gives a little more definitive ways to understand the way other than just these vague concepts of like internal thought processes and using our bodies. The way can also be understood on the way can also be understood through understanding the laws of yin and yang, which we'll look at, you know, they continue to explain this throughout this book since they are of such great importance. The astrolog <laughs> the astrological movements of the stars, they believed, showed what the chi is doing or how it's going to move in the future. So understanding the astrological aspects um, will also help promote health. Understanding the movements of the sun and moon and how those correlate to our health as human beings. And also understanding how the four seasons move and the meanings behind these movements and how they should be interpreted in our bodies. So lastly, I wanted to, you know, my goal in this podcast is always to look at what that means for touch, right? There's not a whole lot here as far as treatment goes, but there still is some things to think about, right? We know that health is a calm heart. So when you touch someone, be that healthy perspective for them. Calm your heart, calm your mind, and just be there with that person. And there are some ways to help bring that sense into the body, right? We can use the structure of our own bodies to find its most relaxed state and then let that reflect inwards to our hearts if we're having trouble developing that inward. And this is why it's important when we're giving treatment to have a correct posture. This idea of centering into your hara, as they would say, but it's more like in your lower abdomen, letting your weight settle into there. Letting your head raise, but keeping that weight below, right? This helps bring any, everything into a structural alignment. Head above the hips, shoulders above the hips. This creates the most sound structure in our bodies where all the muscles can relax. And they no longer have to be used for postural support in ways when we're slightly contorted outside of that, that, that's, that fixed posture or structure. And when our muscles are relaxed, as the best we can get them to be, our mind will start to relax. And we can also use this in daily life. It's not just for treatment. You know, you're feeling stressed or having trouble with some emotional situation. You know, sometimes it's good just to realign the structure of your body and let the weight fall. You know, let it settle into your abdomen. Let it settle into your feet. You know, take it off of your shoulders and head. And this will create that calm, peaceful feeling if you can truly let go of whatever it is that's bothering you. So another thing that I like to think about when I'm touching is I like to think of me touching from heart to heart. Like it's my heart being open and calm and peaceful, trying to talk to your heart, which is hopefully also open, calm, and peaceful. And together they'll silently communicate into a, a better state of health for both of us. I don't believe there's any like one, two, three step process to, to getting to this, right? This is a practice of self-cultivation. So you have to explore inward for yourself to get there. But it's not a state of forcing. 
when we're touching in a calm and peaceful state, we're not forcing. We're not putting something into somebody else. We're not forcing them to feel a way that we think they need to feel. We're just accepting of who they are and where they are in their life and just being there for them. This is what a calm and peaceful heart looks like. And if we can instill this feeling into them, often things that are happening with them will start to resolve. Well, I hope you found value from some of the things I said here. Um, as always, I hope I didn't ramble too much and yeah, put you to sleep. But next week I want to go over what the four seasons look like and what that means for health in our bodies. And also the laws of yin and yang start to start to form a little more of a, a basis for us to look at. Well, hope to see you next week. And everyone, have a great week. 